Hi friends, it's Haley and Lynn, and you are listening to This We Know Podcast. To get stronger, the gym is a pretty good place to be. But where do we go to strengthen our hearts? How can we stay spiritually in shape to experience joy in every season? This is a space for us to grow our faith muscles together. With a little bit of practice and a whole lot of grace, we'll train our hearts to trust. Together, we'll lift our eyes from our ever-changing circumstances back to God, renewing our minds in His faithful promises. So let's jump in so we can confidently step back into this day with a fresh mind and full heart, knowing we've got a king in our corner. God is making a way. He is faithful in every season. This we know. Hi friends, welcome back. It's Lynn. And on today's episode, I thought it would be helpful if we spend some time talking about the enemy. You may know him as the devil or Satan or Lucifer, but you'll hear me referring to him as the enemy. And so today I just thought we could kind of talk high level about who Jesus says the devil is and the fact that the devil very much is real and how the devil creeps into our mind and deceives us, just like he deceived Adam and Eve. I just wanted to help explain who the enemy is in ways that we can be aware of his schemes and his lies and his deceitfulness and how we can command him to flee from us, like how we can have control over him through our faith in Jesus. So anyway, I'd love to dive in with you. What led me to talk about this with you all this morning was I've been reading through the book of First Peter, which is in the New Testament. Peter was one of Jesus's disciples. And honestly, I don't think I've ever really read through First Peter. It's a really short book. It's only five quick chapters. If you're interested in reading along, it has a lot of encouraging verses in here for us about living as a Christian, living our lives for God. This morning I was reading first Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is going through the same kind of sufferings that you are. And that verse really got me thinking, wow, I'm not the only one that is being deceived by the enemy. So are all of you. We are all under his attack. <laughs> and I, I hate that for us, but that's just a part of this life. You know, a question I heard recently that really stopped me in my tracks and made me think is if the enemy could take you down and destroy you and your reputation, how would he do it? What foothold would he have on you that if you gave into that temptation, it would just knock you flat on your face? <laughs> would it be a dishonest business deal, cheating on a significant other, maybe substance abuse, mismanaging your money, finding all your security in your money, such a tough question to consider. But if you take time to really think about your answer, 
I think it helps us to be aware of our weak spot so that we can even be on more guard and we don't give the enemy an opportunity to take us out. In my Bible, I read that the enemy puts various temptations in front of us, lying to us that if we partake in that temptation, it will bring us lasting happiness and fulfillment. But guess what? (laughs) That moment of pleasure will leave us feeling empty, guilty, ashamed, and just so weighed down. But what I really wanted to talk about with you all is how we can be aware of Satan's influence in our lives. For me, he is an ultimate deceiver. He will put thoughts in my mind. And when I'm not careful, when I'm not intentional, I will believe these lies, lies that I am not good enough. I am not worthy. Lies about my marriage, lies about my family, lies about myself. Just all of this insecurity that if I stop and really think about it, I realize that's not true because what is true is who God says I am, not who Satan says I am. God tells me I am loved. I am chosen. I am his daughter. I am worthy. And Satan tells me I'm not enough. Maybe there's a better wife that could be married to my husband who would be a better fit for him. Like these crazy lies that we believe that are completely from him. So not only is he a deceiver, friends, but something else I've come to realize is that he can take good things in our life, like fitness, wanting to buy a nice wardrobe for work, or he can take good friendships. He can take things like that we enjoy, just little things like going out and having a glass of wine with a girlfriend or having a glass of wine with your spouse at the end of a long week. He can take little things and he can make those idols in our life that begin to replace God. God, as we know, should be the only person sitting on the throne of our hearts and how quick I am to replace God with idols. And again, these can be really good things like working out, being healthy, being mindful of what we're feeding ourselves. Those are really good things. But when that becomes our number one focus and it's all that we think about and it becomes all consuming, it becomes an idol and it replaces God. And it's the enemy who lies to us and says, the skinnier you are, or the more disciplined you are with your diet, or the more you work out, the better you'll feel. And yes, in part, that is true. If we exercise, if we feed ourselves well, if we feel confident walking out the door in the morning, those are great things. But God is the greatest thing in our lives. And so for me, I have to just pay really close attention. And it really just comes down to having quiet time and just being intentional with my thoughts and what I'm focused on. And I'd love to share with you real life examples that I'm walking through right now of how the enemy is deceiving me of certain things and how he's taking other good things, things that God meant for good, that he is trying to turn into idols that thankfully... This morning, through 15 minutes of sitting quietly with the Lord, God very gently and lovingly put on my heart and called to mind these things that I'm starting to turn into idols because I'm thinking about them so much. And he just gently cautioned me to be careful and to remember that he is my number one priority in this life, my relationship with him. So I remember back when I was 34 weeks pregnant, 
And it's about this stage for any of you that have had children, <laughs> you'll, know, you'll know this. It's about this stage in pregnancy where the end is in sight. And what I should be focused on is just praying that God will bring our daughter safely into this world and that our oldest daughter will just accept her and be so loving and will adjust quickly to having a little sister. You know, just praying for all of the good things that are to come. But all my mind thinks about is, oh, I'm so ready to have our sweet daughter so I can get back in shape and fit back into my clothes and not just feel huge and (laughs) so that I can really start exercising again. Again, all good, like those are all good things. It is good to want to be healthy, but it's becoming all consuming for me. It's like all I think about is, gosh, I just can't wait to not be so huge and to be able to feel like myself again. That's one part of it. I think the other part is I, with the end of this pregnancy inside, I've been thinking, oh, it'll be so nice to get to have a glass of wine with my husband. And it'll be so nice to be able to go to happy hours with friends and like actually get to have a fun drink and not just always getting mocktails. Love a good mocktail, by the way. And again, those are all good things looking forward to that. But it's starting to become something I think about all the time. And I I don't want alcohol and I don't want my body image being idols. Like I don't want those being things that I am just thinking about nonstop to where it gets in the way of me pursuing God because I'm pursuing those more than I'm pursuing a relationship with Him. And ultimately, friends, it's because in pursuing a relationship with Him and walking closely with Him and making Him the number one priority in our lives, that is where true, completely fulfilling joy comes from. Like if we want to experience true peace, true joy, true contentment, the only way that we will find that in a way that's not fleeting, that doesn't just last for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours, is by having a close walk with Him and creating space for Him to say, hey God, please just Fill me with your love, cover me with your peace, fill me with your joy. And it's almost instant that you will feel the presence of the Lord because you're taking time to be in tune with his presence. And at the end of the day, you go to bed and you think, wow, joy and peace and his comfort have just been surrounding me all day. And there is no better feeling, nothing in this world, no amount of endorphins, no glass of wine or fun cocktail. Again, all fine, like all good things, but like even just feeling good about ourselves, like all of that is great. But the thing that brings true joy that is not fleeting is having time with the Lord and just experiencing his peace and his presence In scripture, it says that his peace surpasses our understanding. It's so overwhelming and so comforting that it doesn't even make sense. And man, have I experienced that. On a couple of occasions, there have been times I've just leaned into his presence so much that I have almost just become emotional. (laughs) This might sound kind of silly, but think in scripture, he encourages us, or maybe Paul encourages us to be drunk on the Holy Spirit. And I know that might sound kind of crazy, especially for some of you that may be new to kind of reading your Bible. You're like, what does that mean? (laughs) 
But I have really experienced that where I'm just so enamored with God's love and his peace that can just fill us so quickly that you almost just feel so high on life. And it's like the best feeling of being high (laughs) and it doesn't leave, which is the best part. It doesn't leave you with a hangover. It's the best feeling. So my hope for you is that you will realize in your own life, any thoughts that you've been having that are negative about yourself really try to recognize those as lies that the enemy is trying to deceive you of, that you are not enough. And then the second one would be, I'd love for you to think about what are things in my life that are good things, but maybe I'm really just thinking about too much. It's becoming all-consuming. And how can I just take time to be still for a moment or two and say, God, what have I prioritized in my life? What am I prioritizing in my life ahead of you? Will you help me to realign my priorities? Will you please step back into number one? And these are my personal priorities that I have let slip away many, many times, even daily sometimes. And I have to always remind myself of what my personal priorities are. Maybe it would be cool for you to sit down and kind of jot down what are your priorities in your life? So God is my first priority. And then my second priority is my husband. And then my third priority are my children. And then my fourth priority will be my family, my friends, this we know, you know, this ministry, my church serving, all of that will kind of come under God, my spouse, and then my children. So I would encourage you if you haven't ever done this to just think, okay, what are my priorities in my life? And ask God to help you figure out what your priority should be. And lastly, friends, if you find that you are struggling with lies from the enemy or you're struggling with having other idols in your life, one way to combat that is to pray or even as silly as it may seem, it felt very uncomfortable for me at first, but you can either pray or say out loud, enemy, flee from me. In Jesus' name, amen. And friends, I'm telling you, the foothold that he is trying to have on you, God has already won that battle for you. And all you have to do is stand firm in your faith, trusting that Jesus is making the enemy flee far, far away from you. And you might have to say that prayer like 10 times a day to feel his grip finally let go of you. Lord knows that I have had to pray that out loud so many times a day when I just feel completely under attack. And then I won't feel the enemy near to me. Praise God. But that is the way that you can combat the enemy and and the foothold that he so relentlessly tries to have on us. So again, would just encourage you to say, Jesus, please fill my heart with your Holy Spirit and enemy flee from me. And you can even quote scripture out loud. That's what Jesus did all the time. If you read in the gospel of Matthew, it's the very first gospel in the New Testament. Towards the beginning of Matthew, it talks about how Jesus was baptized. And then he instantly went into the wilderness for 40 days without food. And he was tempted the entire time by the same enemy that we face today, the same enemy that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. Do you remember that story about how the enemy came to Eve in the garden 
and said, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because he's afraid that if you do, you'll be able to have the same authority and power that he does. And he doesn't want you to be on the same level as him. And Eve was like, well, that sounds awesome. I want to be as powerful as God. So she indulged and she ate. And then she gave the apple to Adam to to indulge in as well. So they were tempted and unfortunately gave in. And that's why we struggle with sin every day in our lives. Jesus was also tempted for 40 days and 40 nights without food. Can you imagine? <laughs> I feel like if I'm tempted and, I, and I'm hungry because I haven't eaten in like five hours, I am, I, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But all that being said, if my husband is listening to this, he knows that I get hangry. Unfortunately, that's one of my many bad qualities. But all that being said, Jesus was tempted, and because Jesus lived a perfect life, he never gave in to the enemy's temptations. But what I noticed is that Jesus would rebuke the enemy by backing up what he was saying to him with scripture. So in Matthew chapter 4, this is where it talks about Jesus being tested in the wilderness. And I just want to give you a quick example. So Jesus is hungry and thirsty. The enemy came to him and said, if you really are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread so that he could feed himself and not have to be hungry anymore. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then it goes on to talk about how the devil continued to try to tempt Jesus, but he always rebuked Satan with scripture. He would say, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So again, this is something I've said out loud. And again, I know it can feel kind of awkward to be talking out loud. So feel free to pray it in your mind. It's just as powerful. So I would encourage you, if you are noticing that the enemy is trying to deceive you, if he is making good things in your life into idols, or however you're starting to notice him working in your mind, I would really encourage you to say something like, flee from me, enemy, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Jesus, please fill my heart with your Holy Spirit. Guys, that is going to be so powerful. That is going to help the enemy really flee from you so that you can think clearly. Another way that we can fight back against the enemy is by thinking about one of mine and Haley's favorite passages in scripture. It's in Ephesians 6. It starts at verse 11. And this is Paul encouraging us to daily put on the armor of God. When you wake up in the morning, and this takes practice, this takes a lot of intentionality from the moment your eyes open and your mind becomes alert to the day, thinking about putting on the armor of God. And you might be thinking, okay, Lynn, that sounds great, but what is the armor of God? So I'm going to just read a couple of verses to you to make sense of it for us. So in verse 11, Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, 
verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Guys, I love this verse. This tells us exactly what we need to do to stand firm against the enemy's schemes. We have to put on the armor of God. I'm actually going to include these verses in today's episode notes so that you can write them down. You could put them on your mirror about putting on the belt of truth, wearing the breastplate of righteousness, taking up the shield of faith, putting the helmet of salvation on your head, just really imagining putting on this completely protective wardrobe of armor. And one last thing I want to note about this scripture that I think is so powerful is that God is not calling us to fight and win this battle. Jesus already won this battle for us. All he's telling us to do is to stand firm in the faith. And there's a video out there that shows a person wearing the armor of God and all of these fiery arrows are coming after this person, but all of them are missing the person because they have on the armor of God. And I think about that sometimes when I feel especially under attack, that God has already won the battle for us. And when we put on our armor, the enemy has no hold on us. so glad you joined us for this episode. If you thought of a friend who might be encouraged by this topic, please feel free to share this message with them. Our hope is to share God's love and truth with as many people as possible, and you can help us play a big part in that mission by leaving a written review on Apple and Spotify. Also, if you have questions, are in need of prayer, or want to learn more about our story, head to thisweknowfaith.com and connect with us on social media. Remember, friend, as you step back into this day, God is with you in every season. This we know.